I've told this story in my, I think in my grow group. I may have told it somewhere else, but I think I told it in my grow group. So it was the, I went to Dallas Seminary, and at the end of my first year, I went to a missions conference. Some of you know already where I'm going with this. And, and I went to this missions conference I'd never seen. I, I didn't know. I thought maybe there were like, like three mission organizations. I didn't know there were hundreds. And so we had this big missions conference, and there were just things everywhere. They had a big old, big old room bigger than this room, and it just had booth after booth after booth of all these different missionaries. And that summer, I got to talk to this guy from a missionary. That's, they've, they've changed the name now. It used to be called the Sudan Interior Missions, and you'd go to the Sudan. Sudan. And so the guy said to me, hey, we're always looking for DTS guys, and would you want to come this summer and, te- and like teach in our school down there? Just, you know, you could do for like six weeks, four weeks. I said, man, you know, I love to teach. That would be so fun. And, uh, and he said, well, you have to raise the support. And I think back then you had to raise something like $3,000, you know. And so I remember thinking this is something I know I want to do and I know, I know God wants me to do. So I, I wrote back to my home church, Emmanuel, Nap Clark, and I wrote them and said, hey, I got a chance to go this summer if anybody would like to give toward that. Then I was going to a church in Dallas at the time, and I told the leadership and everything, and I said, I want to go. And, and, uh, and so I, I raised that summer exactly nothing. Not one penny came in. Not one penny. Not one penny from my own church. Not one penny from the church I was going to. And so I, just, I assumed that the answer was no. <laughs> and what happened is I went ahead and stayed that summer, and I took Greek the whole summer. I took basically a whole year of Greek in about 10 weeks. Or I actually, yeah, I, I was all second year Greek. I took the whole year. And that's when I learned Greek. And that's when it came together for me. And that's when I realized I could actually look at the Greek and read it and, and understand it. And now I look back and say, I wanted to go, I thought, to the Sudan. But God said, no, 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 you don't need to go. What you need is Greek. That's why I put you in school. And... Uh, and so sometimes we get a no answer. And when I say no answer, I don't mean that he didn't give an answer. I got a no answer. And so sometimes when we study and we look at this, we sometimes get no answer, and then sometimes we get a no answer. And uh, so uh, we're going to look at that. And th- th- those three questions that we looked at, are there unanswered prayers? Does God, it, it, when God's answer is wait, what do we do? And when God's answer is no, what do we do? Are there reasons for no answers? And so let's start with the question, are there unanswered prayers? And I, I think that the answer is what? I don't think there's unanswered prayers. In fact, I think God answers every prayer. In fact, when we see, we've seen in the Bible, I make this statement sometimes, when we're in the process of lifting up a prayer request, God is in the process of answering it. I think God answers all prayers. Sometimes the answer is yes, uh, and sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is wait. And I, you know, and that's, so I think when we say, oh, God didn't answer my prayer, I think he answered your prayer. It may be no. I could say, God didn't answer my prayer that summer. I wanted to go to the Sudan. He said, no, God answered your prayer. The answer was no. You're not going. <laughs> and he made it pretty clear because I didn't like raise $10 or $20 or $100 or $1,000. I raised $0. You know, so I guess, you know, God fixed it on people's hearts that I wasn't supposed to go. So let's think about God's answer. Sometimes the answer is yes. It is. We pray for something like a surgery. Somebody goes in and we say, oh, pray for, and it comes out great, and we trust Jesus, and we get that yes answer. And, and so sometimes we'll ask things, and it's good answers, and we go, wow, that's fantastic. And sometimes we get a wait. And, and when you say wait, you, you, you answer, ask the prayer, but you, you don't get an answer. And in, in, in your mind, you're saying, I don't know whether this is a no answer or this is a wait. And sometimes you can't tell, but sometimes you can tell. Sometimes it's just God puts it in your heart that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, 
I'm going to keep praying about this. And that's why I think the Luke 18.1, he says he was telling us a parable that to, to, to keep on praying, to keep on praying, because you just never know. And then sometimes the answer is no. And I think you can tell. Uh, I, I knew that was a no answer. When I didn't raise any money, I knew I wasn't supposed to go. I told the guy, I called the guy and said, I'm not coming. You know, I said, I, I don't have any money. I didn't raise the money, so I can't go. And sometimes you, you, you say, I want this job, and somebody else gets the job. And you go, well, I, obviously the answer is no. And I've had people who are saying, well, you know, I had this girlfriend, and, and, and I thought she was going to be the one, and then she broke up with me, and, moved, and you know, she moved on to some, And, I, you know, what do I do about it? I said, well, obviously the answer must be no. And let me just say this to you. God's protecting you. When he gives you a no answer, usually the, what, what he's got for you is a lot better. Because remember we said we don't even know what to pray for, and the Holy Spirit is the one that makes intercession for us and goes to the Son, and the Son goes to the Father. And there are times we're praying for things. Think about it. I'm saying, oh, Lord, I want to go to the Sudan. And God says, no, what you need is Greek. You just don't know it right now. You think you know what you want, but you don't. And sometimes we say, oh, Lord, I want this. And the answer is no. So let's, let's talk about a couple of things real quickly. I'm just looking at the clock. Let's do this. What, what if God's answer seems to be wait? What do we do? What do we do? Well, first of all, how do, how do we know it's a wait? And we really don't know sometimes. Sometimes we get this answer, and you might say there's no answer, and we say, well, I don't know whether it's no answer or a no answer. I don't know. And, and so what, what do we have to realize when it seems to be wait? Well, first of all, is how do we deal with a wait answer? First of all, it's just not God's time. There may be, the, the, the answer may be yes later on, but it's not time. We lift up requests, and God would say, that's not time. God is outside of time. This is the thing that's amazing to me, is he deals with us in time, and we go through life, and we say, I wonder what next week is going to be like, and all that. But God is outside of time. That's why the Bible writes that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain when? Before the foundation of the world. Now, what does that mean? That means God's plan is outside of time. God doesn't say, hmm, I'm going to have to look up, you know, 50 years in advance and see what's going on there. He's outside of all that. And so when we think about it, sometimes it's not God's timing in the sense of how he's working things because he works through us in time. So uh, like we'd say, oh, Lord, the rapture could come any second. It could, right? When's it going to come? Just whenever, whenever he's ready, whenever it's time. And so we think about the second thing to think about when it's uh, a wait, and that is we're not ready or someone else is not ready. I've had people say to me, you know, I'm ready to get married, you know, and I want to find that special one. And I go, so you really are ready? Oh, I'm really ready. I said, well, you ever thought the one that you want to marry may not be ready? That's why it's not happened yet. I mean, so sometimes we would say, why is God making me wait? He could say, you're not ready. Or he could say, something else is not ready. And so sometimes on the wait answers, uh, and let me just say, there, I, I, think, uh, I think the wait answer is probably one of the hardest because at least with a no answer, and you can tell it's no, you can say, well, he shut the door there, or that's over there, or I didn't get that, or this and this. But on a wait answer, sometimes that's why I think he says, he kept telling them just to keep on uh, lifting up our prayer requests. Keep on doing it. I, I put, how do we respond and all that? Well, Luke 18, 1, keep on offering the prayers up. He says, pray and not faint. Let me tell you, do, do you know the illustration that he gives in Luke 18, 1, when he says he wanted them to remember to continue to pray and not stop, not faint. And then he shows the illustration of this judge who was really a mean judge. He was, he was, he said he didn't care about God or man. That's the kind of man he was. And he was a judge. And this widow came to 
to him and she needed help and there was something she needed doing and she'd come to him and say, I need you to solve this and he'd go, get out of here. And she'd come back, get out of here. And over and over she came. And finally it says that finally he said, listen, I'm just going to do what this woman wants because I'm tired of her keeping asking me. And what God says, if an unjust judge will listen, if you keep coming, what will your heavenly Father who loves you, when you keep coming, so uh, it's okay to keep coming, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known, and uh, you know, that whole idea, uh, let your request be made known. Here's something that's great about uh, the waiting thing. Ecclesiastes says, there is a time for everything under the sun. So... What we're praying for, it may be a wait because it's not quite time. Now that takes us to the other one, which is kind of a hard one in its own self, and that is, what if God gives a no answer? What if the answer is no? And reasons for a no answer. So let's talk about it. We've got, I've got five, we've got two this morning we're going to go through quickly, and then three next week just to talk about it. But uh, first of all, sometimes we find that God gives us a no answer. I imagine every one of us in this room could stand up and say, was there something you prayed about some one time and, and you thought that this is what you wanted, but he ended up t- basically saying to you no because you, di- you didn't get it. It wasn't a wait. You could tell. We could all say that. So here's some reasons. First of all, it's just not God's will. It's not God's will. The answer is no because it's not, God, not, not God's plan for our lives. Psalm 139 basically talks about how he's got our lives and he's working through our, our lives and he uses even our decisions. One of that, let me just say this too. Whenever we talk about God's will and all that, people get all upset. People start saying, what, does I have any freedom? You have great freedom. God is a sovereign God. Everything goes according to the counsel of his will. He's such a great God that he allows every one of us to make decisions, actions, and we have the freedom to do whatever we want to do, and yet it still somehow fits in his sovereign plan. He's that great a God. And so we already, we, we know that sort of thing. So sometimes it's just not his plan in the sense of how he's working things out. We can offer up, and God says it's not the plan. And I, there, there are times in my life that I thought I really wanted something, and answers were no. And then I look back later, and what, what do I say? I, have you ever offered a prayer said, I want this, I want this, I want this, you didn't get it? Then you look back later and say, boy, I'm glad I didn't get that. Right? Who's, who's done that? Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, so be, we got to be real careful when we get all mad at God because the answer is no. God says, you just, you just, just listen to me. I know what's best for you. Yeah, but I don't want that. Yeah, but if you get that, you won't, it, it will be worse. It will be worse. You know, so realize that sometimes we say to God, this is what I want, but God says that's not it. Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for good. Those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose. What did Jesus say in the garden? Uh, how, about, how about the opportunity maybe that this passed, I don't have to go to the cross? However, nevertheless, what? Not my will, but your will. And so when you pray, and sometimes the answer is no, you can say, Lord, this is what I wanted, but I just have to trust you because it's not, whatever your will is ultimately is the best for everything. And so realize that God works all things together. We, we pray, we don't know the answer. Sometimes there's no answers. Let me read this to you. There was a guy named Augustine or Augustine. There's two different ways to pronounce his name. He was not a believer. He was a pretty smart guy and he was a ruler. I mean, just did everything. But he wasn't a believer and his mother was a believer. And so she prayed that he would trust Christ. And she prayed for some years that she, he would trust Christ. And he finally told her one day, he said, I'm going to Italy. I'm going to go live in Italy. And she said, no, I don't want you to go to Italy. I want you to stay here 
And she prayed that he wouldn't go to Italy. And he went to Italy. And when he got to Italy, he met a guy named Ambrose. And guess what? Ambrose led him to Christ. And so his, didn't, his mother said, don't go to Italy. But she didn't know that by going to Italy, there would be the person that would be able to lead him to Christ. And uh, so sometimes we say, oh, Lord, I want this or I want that. And God says, you just have to trust me. I think that the First John passage in 5, 14, through 14 and 15 basically says, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us and we have what we ask. Now, his will is found where? In his word. Let me throw this out because we, I look at time. We got some time. I, I talked about this when we did knowing God's will. We talked about that uh, in our grow groups. And you got to remember that we have great freedom. Sometimes people get all hung up and they say, I want to buy a house, but I don't know if it's God's will for me to buy this house. Or I want to buy a car. I want to go do this. And we say, listen, there's a sovereign will of God that's going to happen no matter what. There is the specific will of God which is found in the Word of God. And you've got the Bible and it tells you the rights and the wrongs and the principles and the truths and you obey that. All the other decisions that you make, you have freedom because there is no scriptural reference for that. So if you said, should I buy this car or not buy this car? He says, make what? Wise choices. So you have great freedom in all that you do. And so even even this, when we say, I want it to be according to your will, sometimes the, the will is in the word, but sometimes you don't have revelation that tells you. And all you can do is say, I have freedom. I'll make my request known. Answer could be yes. Answer could be no. Answer could be wait, whatever it is. Now, there's a second thing, and this is the one that we kind of have to highlight, and it's going to take us through next week as well. Why would God sometimes say no? Even, let me say it this way. This is going to sound weird. What if he wants it to be a yes, but he says it's a no? How could that be? Well, other, it could be because there's sin in our lives. Now, sometimes we don't think about this. Sometimes we don't think about how, we, how our relationship with God is or our fellowship with God is. We don't think about that that might affect our prayer life. But I want to show you a couple of verses. Sometimes God gives us a no answer because we have sin in our lives. Look at this. This is Psalm 66, 18. He says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, that, when it, it says hear, it doesn't mean that God doesn't hear it. Like, what they say? I didn't hear it. No, it means he's not going to listen to it. He's not going to do what we ask when we have sin in our lives. That's what, what are we supposed to do when we have sin in our lives? Confess it. I'm really good at that because I'm really good at sinning. So I'm really good at confessing, right? And hopefully we all confess our sins, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But he actually says, if I regard a wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So it's pretty powerful. Now watch this one. This will get you. This is, this is Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save. In other words, he can do what he wants to. Nor is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. Listen, he can hear anything, he can do anything. But, now notice, he can do anything, he can hear anything, but your iniquities, that's the word for sin, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Now, we're not talking about eternal life. We're not talking about the fact that you're a Christian and then you get sin in your life and you lose your salvation. We're talking about the fellowship aspect. And he says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you 
so that he does not come near. Now, he's writing that to the nation of Israel, but th- th- there's an as- aspect of if, when we have sin in our lives that breaks our fellowship with God, and we, we run into all kind of problems there. And so if we have sin in our lives, we've got to realize that. We're going to see it this morning. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in church when we go through our study, and there's a place in there that says if we forgive others who sin against us, what happens? God forgives us. If we do not forgive others... God does not forgive us. And we're not talking about salvation, not talking about eternal life salvation, we're talking about Christian life salvation. We're talking about fellowship with God and with others. And he's say, basically saying that if you have sin in your life and you're not in fellowship with God, sometimes he's going to say, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you until you get your act together. Now, we're not talking about salvation again. We're talking about living the Christian life. So people get this mixed up. I talk to people all the time, and they'll say something like, well, you know, if you do enough wrong things, you could probably lose your salvation. I go, well, how can you lose eternal life? If you could lose eternal life, it wasn't eternal. He gives us eternal life the moment we believe, and the moment we believe this is our relationship with God, but then we have fellowship with God. And our fellowship, when you have sin in your life, we break fellowship with God. And in a sense, we could be praying for everything. Oh, Lord, give me this, do this, make this work. And he could say, I'm not listening. I'm not listening until you get to you deal with the sin that's in your life. And that's why we talk about all the time. The moment you recognize their sin, the moment you realize you've done something wrong, what do we do? We confess it, First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. We've taught this many times. There may be some new people here, maybe some people who've never even heard this before, but this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible because when we sin, we've broken fellowship with God and we've broken fellowship with fellow believers. And so what do we do? If we confess, which means to tell on ourselves, if we confess our sins, we tell, here's something I know that I did wrong, and I'm telling you, Lord, I did it. I'm I'm recognizing it. I'm telling on myself. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? Forgive our sins. That's the ones we confessed. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, even the ones we can't remember, because I know that there are so many things I do wrong, I can't remember them. And I'm sure that many of you are the same as me. And sometimes we sin and we forget it, but we remember another sin and we confess that sin. And God is so great that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, before we stop, this um, th- th- I've got three others Three other reasons for unanswered prayer. One is that it's not God's will. Number two is there's sin in our lives. But the next three all go back to the aspect of sin in our lives. And here they are. One, that, that there could be failure in relationship with others. When we want to pray and we don't get an answer, it could be because we have failure in our relationship and fellowship with other people. First Peter 3, 7 is actually talking about a husband. And it says, you need to get along with your wife or your prayers will be hindered. You go, what? I can be mean to my wife and still pray to God, can't I? Well, yeah, you can still pray to God, but he may say no till you get that all fixed up. And then there's one with the wrong motive, James chapter 4, verse 3. We'll talk about that one. And then there's one when you're not believing. You, you, you ask something, but you don't really believe that God would answer it, and you're not trusting him. And James says, when you bow for a prayer, don't be like the waves tossed back and forth. He says, do you think you're going to get an answer? If you go, I don't know. Well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Well, you know, it's okay to say, I want you to. I want you to. I'm trusting you, and I, I want you to.
So anyway, that's what we've seen today. Let me give you some applications. First of all, let's continue to lift up our prayer request to God. That's what we've got to do. We want to be men and women of prayer. That's part of the goal of this study is to think about it. Now, let me, let me tell you what's so weird is, you know, we, we're t- for some reason, God wants us on prayer because we've been doing this, and it just so happens we're about through with this. But last week, if you remember on the Sermon on the Mount, what was the message about? Prayer. And what's the message about today? It's the Lord's Prayer. For some reason, God's given us a bunch of stuff on prayer. We may need to be praying more. We may need to say to ourselves, you know, I'm, I've looked through all this stuff, and, you know, I just want to really start being a man or a woman of prayer. And so let's continue to lift up our prayer request to God. Let's take them to any time, any place, anywhere about anything. Second is just understand that God answers all prayers. I think he does. It may be yes, and it may be no, and it may be wait, but I think he answers every prayer. And when we get a yes answer, we love it. When we get a wait answer, we have to say, okay, I just have to trust you. And maybe it's not time. Maybe it's not your will. Maybe, you know, not at your time for right now. And then we get a no answer. Sometimes we just have to say, okay, why did I get a no answer? You know, and, and so that takes us to the third one. Let's trust God in the wait answers. That, 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 that's a, it's not God's time. Maybe we or somebody else isn't ready. And then number four really is let's trust God in the no answers. And so what it could be, it could be it's just not his will, or there may be something going on in our lives that's blocking our fellowship with him. And we need to, to take that to him. So there's it's some, it's some hard things. But let's be men and women of prayer. Let's con- let me just go back real quickly. Let's, let's, let's offer up our prayer request. Let's understand that God answers all prayers. Let's trust him in the wait part. And let's trust him in the no part. Because it could be it's just not his will. And we just say, Lord, I just had to trust you. I wanted that, but you know what's best. And then sometimes look at our lives and see about our fellowship with God and with others.